This is Damon Albarn, and you're listening to Hallelujah Monkeys, the number one gorillas podcast in the world. Welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for the beginning of October. My name is Dylan Flynn. My name is Trevor Ickrath. It's the Death by Life special. Yeah, this is the, as you've seen from the title, today's episode is all about the Life Cipher. Now, what does that mean? It will become clear as the episode progresses. But Sure, sure. It's good that we're looking back into the the early days of the project and, and its Rolodex now as we sort of come to what is presumed to be the end of the mega phase of gorillas that we are in right now. That's a term that I've just coined for it, Trevor. Right. You know, I, I don't know if I've emotionally prepared myself, but this might be a bit of a tearjerker of an episode. We are, re- we really are, we'll talk about it, but we are kind of looking at the end of the project for a while, aren't we? Yeah, that's 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 definitely true. What does that mean for Hallelujah Monkeys? Well, I don't want to show any of my cards, so just assume assume the worst. Assume that we're going to go away forever. Assume that <laughs> Dylan and I have some kind of suicide pact that we've not gone into on air yet, where yeah. when Gorillas goes away, you know, so will we. So will we. Ramona will say, Mama, tell me about what it was like when I had a daddy. <laughs> It's getting a little dark. Do you want to do you want to talk about uh, something a little more fun and like maybe some I don't know gorillas news? It's all good news now. Oh, Trevor, it's such a good feeling when we have new corporate sponsorship activity in the Gorillas Project. Another one. I don't know. It's a tradition at this point, right? Gorillas has a new best friend, and it's this company. It's been I'd going on. I'd love to see like an Animaniac style musical number detailing the All many <laughs> corporate friendships Gorillas has found itself in over the years. That'd be quite interesting. Casio, Casio. Now this isn't technically a brand new partnership because you remember in the humility video, 2D was wearing a very striking kind of crystal sky blue watch yeah you pointed it out like a fucking nerd they've just announced this new initiative the gorillas x g-shock initiative it is in celebration of the 35th anniversary of casio's g-shock line of uh shock resistant watches it's coming in these little vignettes that we that we're going to be getting you can watch the very first episode of a series called mission m101 uh which is a three-part and this is from the from the press release series of special videos in which gorillas help G-Shock creator Kikuo eBay. Does that sound right to you? Sure, sure. Realize his lifelong dream. And so the one that we've seen so far, I think the main thing, the main takeaway is that it's got a really wild visual style. It's like hand drawn, but it's really weird and cut out and angular, and the, and everybody kind of slides it, around. It's kind of hard to tell exactly what you're looking at. It's very interesting. It's very graphic. It's almost like an even more kind of uh, exaggerated version of some of the now now art that we've been getting. But but you know, there's no dialogue. You just see Noodle shows up at Kong Studio. She's got this little briefcase with her, and then it it she opens it up to reveal that it's like a video briefing from the from the aforementioned Kikuo eBay and Mission Impossible style. Yeah, Mission Impossible style. He gives them their mission, which is to uh, to travel to Galaxy M one hundred and one. They choose to accept it. 
he doesn't explain why. I mean, there's no dialogue, but he, but all we know is that little line from that press conference about him realizing his lifelong dream. And then they get into that rocket-powered space car of theirs, which I believe, it's been a while since I watched the, the Now Now live stream, but isn't there some shots of that car hurling through space in some of those live visuals? I, I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so they get into their little space car and it sort of blasts off into space and then it says to be continued and that's the that's the only one we've gotten so far. So Do you, you think know. we're going to find out what this guy's lifelong dream is cuz I've got a hunch. Maybe it's I don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure this guy's lifelong dream and bear with me here is to sell some watches. <laughs> I guess also worth mentioning that it is Murdoch in this short, not Ace, and that yeah, that, he's back, kind of. I guess yeah. There's been some Instagram posts from Jamie in the like, nick of time, but we haven't gotten any free Murdoch like plot updates since the last episode. So. No, not really. And I think we're supposed to have one more before Demon Days, like a wrap up one. It'd be nice to have a little bow wrapped up because, like, that would be the first time I think they've ever kind of done that. Okay, so let's move into. This final leg, this final leg of the Now Now Tour, the North American leg. The last hurrah of this phase of gorillas. Before what we assume to be the long hiatus. Have you, you follow gorillas on Twitter. They just like every day they're like last chance. Yep. You're never going to see him again. Get your Demon Days ticket. They're really, they're really leaning hard on the finality of it all, aren't they? Definitely. Yeah, they really want to hammer it home that... We're going to go for away for a while after this. Which is kind of funny because there is one more show after Demon Days. They, they do have a little show in Mexico City right after. I wonder uh, if they just do some like really weird thing at that last date. Oh, that'd be really crazy, right? Yeah. They, like, Damon just comes out with an acoustic guitar and plays nothing but like B-sides and unreleased material. <laughs> While wearing a blue wig. <laughs> with a fake gap tooth. To, to drive this point home, I, I thought we could maybe act out a little dialogue from a recent David Albarn interview with the Toronto Sun newspaper. Are you game? Sure. I'm always Damon, right? You're always Damon. Right. Okay. So I'll be the Toronto Sun reporter. Here we go. <clears throat> we had to wait seven years between Plastic Beach and humans, and then you treated fans to humans and the now now almost back to back. How quickly will the gorillas come back after this tour ends? Well, we're going to have to even it out. Since there wasn't much time between these recent two records, it's probably going to be another 10 years. So we'll see you back in 2028? Mid-September 2028. So please come see us now. Now, I did definitely see some people losing their minds over this, but I mean, right. obviously he's, he's, he's goofing a, a little bit here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's if if the boys go away for a while here. We're, we're going to be there on the front lines, documenting the end, Dylan. We're we're making history here. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a bittersweet thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a Simon Tong style bittersweet symphony of gorillas. <laughs> okay, so this is weird. What about the gorillas dot com now now set list poll? What do you what's your take on this whole thing? This was fun to see them to to see them do. I mean, they they put out this online poll, right, where everybody could tweet in songs that they wanted to see performed live. No, it was it was an actual page on gorillas.com. I don't think oh, you could okay. do it via Twitter, but the but it would just give you like a little box and the box would say like, you know, what song do you want to hear? Last chance to hear this song thing before Damon takes gorillas away forever and and you type it in now you can you can write any song you want in 
Trevor, but the but the drop down thing, the little box that says, you know, I think you're typing this song. It only recognizes songs from the main six Gorillaz LPs. Nothing from D or G side. No 911. No do you thing. None of that. So stuff. you so you type in M, you're going to see Man Research, but no Mr. Softies. Balloon, balloon race. race correct yeah so i thought we could go through the tally as of this recording and kind of give our thoughts on what the fans want to see what the top 10 gorilla songs the fans want to see would sure be. that'd be fun let's start with number 10 number five through number 10 are set are in such close shooting range yeah they're all around like 4300 votes in that area like 4250 to 4360 So let's start with number 10. Number 10 is Revolving Doors, the lowest uh, placement of the three fall songs on this poll. Right, that has 4,256 votes. I wouldn't mind seeing that one live. Have they ever played it before? I feel like they might have played it once or twice. They did in Boston on this tour, uh, which is the only reason I can see why why it's lower than some of these other picks, because I think it's like the most played most stream song from that record i think yeah but i feel like it's like the normie pick you know and the people who are really going to be coming out for these polls are like the kind of i feel like devotees ex- existing not totally on the fringe but towards it yeah i feel so that. they're going to want like slightly weirder picks like number nine hillbilly man yeah just about a 10 vote gap between revolving doors and hillbilly man i think of the two i'd rather see hillbilly man i think it'd be more fun it would definitely be more fun and more interesting i like can picture what revolving doors would be like live but i can't quite picture what that second half of hillbilly man would sound like so going into number eight just to just to tease this out every song except for one is either from the fall or from the self-titled and here's right. the first entry from the self-titled starshine with 4347 votes i don't know seems like it would be a little maybe a little sleepy oh i would be so bored unless they brought two english boys out to do their thing on it you know who i'm talking about we'll talk about them later <laughs> for sure for sure there are some potential guest mc opportunities <laughs> if you pull out a starshine i guess they haven't played it since the phase one tour so that in and of itself would be quite notable up next i think a much finer choice man research clapper with 4351 votes this would be really cool i've always wanted to see damon open a gorilla show with this one i think i think you said it way back on this on our self-titled review episode you, this was this is a long-held dream of, of trevor uh, would be just him coming up with the lights and going this is a breakfast club it would be this so is a good breakfast club. it'd be so good yeah definitely. i don't know if he could do that falsetto live anymore though guys i i might i hate to break that to you he would have to probably do some tweaking but i'd be for it i'd still yeah. be for it and then uh, number six, this is an interesting choice. I think it's here because it has never been played live by this band, Double Bass, with 4,360 votes. Over the summer, I kind of had a, I went on a little bit of a kick with the self-titled, and Double Bass was one of the ones that I really found sticking around this time. I love Dable, I love Double Bass a lot. The way I'd like to see them do it live would be you have Shea playing his bass. Go get Damon to grab a little bass and do his noodly thing, and have him and Shea kind of facing off with their bases. That'd be sick. and have like visuals of like Murdoch and Ace on the screen at the same time. <laughs> That'd be great. Less enthused about this one, although I would not turn my nose up if it happened at our show. Number five, Soundcheck Gravity at 4,448 votes. Yeah, I would be interested in seeing this one happen just to, you know, witness it happen and see what it sounds like live in 2018. 
It would be kind of cool if they got the backup singers into it. That'd be pretty chill. I'm sure they could whip up a really powerful version of it. Those are the ones that are all pretty close. The next, the next, the final four here definitely pull out ahead. They're pretty solid locks. And, at this, and point. this one honestly kind of baffles me a little bit. At four with ten thousand five hundred seventy votes, it's broken. I mean, it doesn't baffle me in that it's an incredibly popular song among fans. It's uh, really, it's kind of boring though, especially for a live cut. That's right? that's the main thing. Like, I get it on the terms of you're not playing it, and it's a beloved song. In the middle of a set, of in a gorilla set, it's definitely going to be a bit of an energy jettisoner, you know? And there it's are gonna... already a lot of slow songs in the set. A lot of stuff. Maybe people just really want to see that visual of uh, Noodle playing the melodica again. <laughs> where, with Russell's where... backwards hand, remember <laughs> yeah, that? Russell's His thumb is thumb on the wrong side. fucked up on it. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Uh, okay, so then number three, this is an interesting one, 5-4 with 16,683 votes. I don't quite get this one. I, I think 5-4 is a fine song, but I, I definitely can't imagine 15,000 people like vehemently wanting to see it live. I could see them, I could see them pulling this out if Jenny's there. I could yeah. see them doing that. Yeah. Because, you know, again, she did it a couple so of There's so many songs on like the self-titled that I would rather see them do live than five, four, like we're slow country. Yeah. Slow country is the, is the absolute crushing omission here in my opinion. Yeah. It's noticeable that is that it is not on the list while stuff like sound check and Starshine is, I think. Okay. So here are the, here are the big two at 43,370 votes. We've got Amarillo eh. of the, of the fall material that's on this list. It's probably the one I'd be least hyped to see, but I will say I want a fall song to get played at this last big gorilla show. Me too, man. Really. I think that album deserves its due. It's Damon's like favorite gorillas record. You know, some people thought it was a bit of a snack, but <laughs> it really is an important moment in their catalog and it, it deserves, deserves to have some kind of representation table. in this like kind of going away moment. Yeah. I, I think to omit any fall song from the set would be to kind of solidify that album's place in the canon in, in a way that I don't want them to do. And number one, and can you imagine how tickled I am by this? Number one, New Genius Brother with a commanding 64,448 votes. Oh, hell yeah. I think it's been like a like well-documented and well-known thing among the Gorillaz fandom that New Genius was never played live at those first phase one shows, and it's never been played live since. And I think people really want it. And it slaps. It's got a fucking great chorus. It's, it's a really it's, good song. My interpretation of this poll, although it says it nowhere in the text, was that these were going to be selections for the Demon Days Festival. However, if if this poll was a general poll for the last leg of the Now Now Tour, so far we're not seeing a lot of evidence that anybody in the band Brain Trust is paying any attention to this poll. No, but that doesn't mean that some interesting things aren't making their way into the set this early in the tour though good point because they have been sound checking and playing live some crazy shit now it's worth mentioning trevor and i are recording this episode on the 9th of october right they just did night two which was okay. uh which i believe was montreal got it so we've got philly i believe coming in a couple of days but we don't know what happens there my mom's yet. gonna be at that show Hopefully she gets some cool shit, and there's yeah. already been some cool shit, so let's talk about that. Right. The first gig of this final leg was in Toronto, and 
in both the soundtrack and then in the encore, the band played Latin Simone. Not just instrumentally, while some Ibrahim Ferrer vocals came out of the speakers, Damon sang a bit as well. Damon sang the first verse, and then and then Ibrahim took the rest. So they kind of did the version that you and I have sort of longed for. Yeah, that's how you should do it live. Definitely. Well done, Damon. Love it, love it, excited. It showed up night one. It also showed up night two in the encore. Okay, so night two was, I think, Montreal. Mostly the set list was the same as night one. I believe Kansas came back, and it had been gone from the set list for a while. So Yeah, I saw it might have been kicking out Magic City, which I don't like. Yeah, I'd rather see Magic City than Kansas, but I get it that, of course, Kansas is like one of the big, big phase from this record. Which is, I still think, pretty interesting. I didn't see that coming. This didn't make it into the set list, Trevor, but there was a really, I listen, hand <laughs> to God, I could not have predicted this in the soundtrack. Nope. No way. <laughs> Do we need to call Dubversive and get a comment on this? Because David Albard took to the stage in that soundtrack and soundchecked Lil Dub Cheffin. Yeah, the Space Monkeys remix of M1A1. Wild. <laughs> Truly bizarre. What? Crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, does that mean don't call him Scarface? Biggest influence on gorillas ever. Terry Hall might be planning to make an appearance on one of these later dates and they're trying that to get ready for him. Pretty cool. Okay, Trevor. Let's uh, let's sidle into our next segment. Last time we got on these mics to convene Hallelujah Monkeys, you and I said we were we were shifting the order of the season around and that we were going to push the Full Life Cipher episode to the end of the season and proceed with Happy Mondays. Now, if you've looked in your podcast feed, you you have seen that that has not happened. No, we are here today to talk about Five Life Cipher. So the day of that episode went up, I did a little bit of, let's call ethically gray journalism <laughs> when I saw that Cy Philly was active on Facebook, on Facebook Messenger, and I knew that he would not see my message if I sent it. I quote unquote accidentally hit the call button so that it would make his phone ring. And then quickly hung up and said, oops, sorry, accidentally called you. And then he's like, oh, hey, man, sorry I haven't been in touch. <laughs> he was on the hook. He was on the hook. We started making plans. Things were progressing as they had a few times before. But then it was like, okay, life is coming over in a couple of hours and we're going to do it. And so... Because they were on British Standard and or British Summertime, I guess, and we're both on West Coast, their late night interview record was to be a sort of early afternoon record for you and I. Which is the only time that's ever worked out for us like that. Usually, we're waking up at like the ass crack of dawn to talk to these people in the UK. These right. guys, thankfully, are a couple night owls, I guess. Spoiler alert! It happened. We talked to the boys. <laughs> we we circled up with the cipher and we had a little chat with them. Now, I managed to pretty much fully edit around this, but I do want to set the scene for you a little bit. Because of the of the middle of the daytime hours, I had to split my duties between my human child and my podcast child. I literally set up my recording rig in the playroom 
and kind of guarded the electrical outlets with my legs while my child sort of wandered around playing with toys, trying to climb my legs to get to those plugs. And I would kind of have to fend her off with my hands as I was asking for life cipher questions. And then again, I added it around this, but about two thirds of the way through the interview, she just started wailing, just shrieking with, with anger. Yeah, and you had to, you had to run her out of the room and leaving me to like stretch for like three to five minutes with Philip Philip Cipher. How's it going, Philip Cipher? How's it, how's it going, boys? <laughs> and I, Father of the Year, I put her into a playpen and put a cartoon on and just left her in there alone. Oh, great! Fortunately, my father was like showing up at my house like five minutes later, and he rescued her. So. Don't need to call Child Protection Services on me just yet. I'm still making it happen. It all worked out. <laughs> um, <clears throat> not too much else to say before. I'd like to. I'd like to reconvene with you after this interview to, to sort of. I don't know. To kind of have a little bit of post processing. What do you think? To talk about what we talked about when we talked to Phil Life Cipher. <laughs> Howley You Monkeys for Life Cipher is in the fucking house. And right at the top here, uh, Trevor and I have been listening to your records a lot, so we're very, very good at telling you apart on the mic, but I want you to give our listeners a fighting chance. Would you guys mind introducing yourselves here up top? Okay, I'm, I'm Cy Philly, Philly from For Life Cypher. Yo, what's up? This is Life MC from For Life Cypher. Hey, how's it going, guys? Yo. Cy, before we get going, I heard you're on the men from an injury. How's that How's that going? To me? Yeah, Cy, didn't you, didn't you break a rib? Oh, no, that was a good, that was a while ago. <laughs> where, where did you hear that? <laughs> from you, man. You told me. I had a bit of an incident. My bike got stolen. And then a few weeks later, I basically managed to find out who had stolen the bike and then went round the guy's house with my father-in-law and then basically ended up getting into a fight with the guy and his mum outside his house. His mum? The guy's a little crackhead and his mum's a little crackhead as well. Do you know what I mean? So we ended up getting into some massive fight. Do you know what I mean? And then the mum came out of the house with an axe, swinging the axe at me and my dad. Didn't know Holy shit! Wow. I ended up having a jump on his mum. This sounds crazy. I ended up having a jump on his mum, push her down on the ground, and then landed on, and when I landed on her, her, her knee landed in my rib. So I had a busted so rib for like about a month from now. Essentially got beat up by someone's mum. <laughs> Did you get the bike back though? I, have, I still haven't managed to get the bike back and turn into a drama from that. And I gotta say, I would listen to an entire Phil Life Cypher concept album about you guys trying to get this bike back. <laughs> I feel like there's some real musical gold to be mined there. Okay, that's that was fucking nuts, but uh, let's get into it. Uh, I want you guys to tell me, like, to the best of your ability, an abbreviated version of the Full Life Cypher origin story. You know, how you two became Full Life Cypher. Well, basically, I, um, I hooked up with um, our DJ Napa, and um, we used to have a studio, and I'd just go there and make tracks and put them on tape and stuff. Started seeing Philly around, he started noticing that we was rhyming. <laughs> and, <laughs> and one night I was in a club and he came up to me and said, yo, man, I want to do some rapping. I've got a rap for you. And he'd done this rap about pork and bacon, but it was a so dope. I couldn't believe I'd never heard him rhyme. And he just spat that. And then um, I had a track called um, 
massacre in Africa, he took the beat and changed it to The Shining, done the chorus and done his verse, brought it back to us. And we was like, yo, that's dope. So recorded my thing on there. And then we just decided, you know what? I think it'd be dope if we become a group. I was one of them bedroom rappers that was never, like, would always wanted to rap myself, do you know what I mean? But would never have the confidence to be able to go out and do it plucked up the courage to one day go and speak to, speak to life, kind of looked at him as my testing ground to even see if I should do this or not, do you know what I mean? And if he told me no, don't even come and talk to that rap again. <laughs> <laughs> life, had to, life had to co-sign on your rap career. No, then try, try real talk. Life had to co-sign me on that for me to have the confidence to be like, yeah, okay, you know what? I will continue to try and do this thing here, do you know what I mean? So, so you guys come from Luton. Yeah. I'm not... English, but when I think Luton, I don't immediately think hip hop. What was what was the scene like in Luton when you guys were just getting started? What was the what kind of opportunities were there to get on the mic? What were those shows like? Hip hop was invented in Luton. Cool hacks from Luton. <laughs> <laughs> Luton is the home of hip hop. Now, yeah, really, no. there wasn't much of a see. It was just like hip hop was in people was into hip hop, but there weren't a lot of places or anywhere really where you could going rap. I went to a couple of nightclubs, which was okay, but obviously people are there a bit drunk and looking to listen to pop music, but that was about it, really, until we started to venture to London. Once we started to get a bit of a name, people would always try and invite us to come back and do a show in Luton. And both me and Sai, we came from the culture from Sai, used to do graffiti. I was a break dancer from the early 80s. Oh, old school. Yeah, real hip-hop shit. And my way of getting money is I'd go in the library and people would give me books pass me books and ask if I could freestyle and they'd give me 10p a maze that I could rhyme and I was happy to go and buy 20, 30 p's worth of sweets and think, yo, I'm going to do this as a job. Man, I thought it was good at the time getting 30p, but I made a bit more than that since. Guys, I'm sorry, just a quick explanation. If at any point you hear some screeching or cooing or clamoring. I'm I'm watching my nine-month-old Ramona as we're doing this interview, and she's in the same room with me. Big up, Ramona. If, if, if she decides she wants a feature credit on this interview, she's going to take it. <laughs> so so once you guys got to London and kind of established the, what, yourselves as a group, what was the like working relationship like? Did you guys find that you uh, butt heads frequently, or was it real just like smooth sailing? Now we, I mean, we just had a love for hip hop. It's just what we wanted to do every day. We just couldn't wait to wake up and just try to follow our dream that we had at the time, man. So, yeah, it was nothing but creativity at that time. We never really bumped heads at all, really. And this was before the days of the internet as well, do you know what I mean? So, well, uh, one EP that we pressed up ourselves. The hustle was so different back then. Yeah, totally. It was completely different. Totally different. Completely different. I, I say this all the time where I mean, we had to make sure we had our lyrics tight before going to the studio to make sure we weren't going to be wasting time in the studio. Hopefully get it out to DJs, I mean, and then sit down for weeks, like ho hoping that the DJ was going to play it. But now these kids, you can do this in a minute. I mean, you can, now you can release a tune from your phone. Yeah, it's instantaneous. So quick on the turnaround. I, I actually have a theory about the Life Cypher dynamic and like the roles that the two of you guys play. And I want to share it with you. And then you just tell me if it's bullshit, okay? All right. <laughs> I see... Psy as the scientist, like your focus is on, you know, intricate rhymes, technicality, weaving all those pop culture references in there. And then I see life as the activist. You're like the man on the street. You're speaking the truth to power. You're bringing that social focus to the group. Am I, what do you think? Am I close? Uh, I'd say you're pretty close apart from where you're saying where Psy was like the scientist or the technical stuff. 
I think some of that even came from because I used to rhyme before. So everyone, every time we do a track, people would be like, yeah, Philly's verse was all right, but yours was fire. And I'd be like, you're not listening to it properly. It's a whole track. And I think they used to piss off Sai, who used to have like, I need to show these motherfuckers that I can rhyme on the same level. And it kind of pushed his skill level to get more technical, to make people understand I'm just as good as life. We're a group. We're not even competing. And I heard over the years, like how how much better he became. Like my, some of my favorite tunes are the ones that are have got a message in them, but are entertaining at the same time in the way that they're giving you that message. You know what I mean, so. Yeah, I think that's the line that a lot of the Phil Life Cipher material walks, you know, between like fun and woke. And to speak to what you were saying about listening to the whole track, I think you guys really do connect on record and each brings something different, but creates something that's bigger than the sum of its parts, especially on Millennium Metaphors. Yeah, that's, because, that's because the majority of that was us two sitting there writing it together. I mean, we sat together in a room, locked ourselves up with a beat playing on loop, sending us crazy. <laughs> yeah, and, and it sounds like that was a that period was a real wellspring of creativity for you because this, this record is like packed with lyrics and songs. I think it's like the maximum time that can fit onto a single CD. Was that intentional to create such a long body of work, or did you at any point talk about uh, making like a double album or anything like that? We'd probably cut off some tunes or something like that just to get it to fit onto what it fit onto. We, we literally just used to write and record, write and record. We, we'd have 60 bar verses and stuff until someone told us, no, it's 16, not 16. <laughs> I remember doing our first live open mic thing in London. We might look confident, but both of our legs were shaking like <laughs> mad. I mean, we were, I mean, I know I was shitting myself before getting up on there to split this version. I mean, I think we did The Shining there. Do you know what I mean? The Shining really seems to be like a like a pivotal track. I mean, obviously it's big in the story of Full Life Cypher. It's also a big standout on that record, Millennium Metaphors. Sai, something I kind of noticed about your bars on that record, and if you'll pardon me for characterizing you this way, I've noticed that your references compared to life's tend to be a little bit nerdier, maybe? I, I am a nerd. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that. <laughs> okay, well, I am very happy to hear that side because I am a fellow pop culture junkie. And so now I want to talk this shit with you. Okay, so you if you only got to keep up with one of these following like current nerd super franchises, would it be current day Star Wars movies, current day Star Trek movies, or Marvel superhero movies? Okay. For me, it's all about Marvel, and like, I mean, I, I'm I've been into comics from like from young anyway. Do you know what I mean? And I was always into Marvel comics more than DC comics anyway. Do you know what I mean, so favorite superhero? I like I love Black Panther and the whole meaning of Black Panther and everything like that. But I've grown up too much Spider Man. Playing the new video game? Uh, no, I haven't had the time to play that. I didn't even know there was one out. Supposed to be really good. Supposed to be really good. It's very good. It's a very good Spider-Man story. I definitely recommend it, Sai. Life, something I wanted to talk about uh, is something that pops up in your verses pretty frequently, which are all these references to, like, the Illuminati and the Mark of the Beast and Babylon, the New World Order. I'm something of, of a bit of a conspiracy theorist myself, and I've I've actually been, like, really interested in looking into, like, the NWO's, like, depopulation agenda recently with all the superstorms we're getting hit with and stuff like that. I don't know if you know anything about that. But I was just wondering, like, how, how like, genuine is your interest in these, like, conspiracies? Like, in your opinion, is there some kind of, like, shadow world government that operates in secrecy? Well, um, to be truthful, we don't know. My, my thing is this, that we can read a newspaper, we can watch the television and listen to the news and just take it as actual facts. But when you start to research 
and question some of these things that are supposed to be facts. We, it's kind of seen as your conspiracy theorist, where I'm just someone I feel is just searching for the truth, and I'm not just going to accept what I've been told without researching or giving the other side of the story to what I've heard. But I could never say that the Illuminati fully exists. I feel they do. I feel there is a, there is a shadow government and stuff like that. But I was actually in a group called World Peace and Disarmament when I was... About 13, I was I was a drummer in a group, and we used to go to this Rasta man's house, and it was all those type of lyrics and all that type of stuff they talk, and that kind of gave me a teaching and a foundation for my lyricism. I believe that there is an Illuminati, whether they they are the Illuminati, whether they're Freemasons or what. There's something else out that's going on that I mean that we're not seeing. And just a quick follow up: Did that group of yours manage to achieve world peace and disarmament? <laughs> uh, well, sadly, no. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't get that far. But I, I'll tell you what: It was one of the greatest teachings for me to be involved in something like that, and just to be in conversations that show me a different side of life. Well, I will say that Hallelujah Monkeys is officially an anti-Illuminati podcast. Okay, cool. That's cool. Stay woke. Watch Zeitgeist on YouTube. We've already touched on this a little bit, but, you know, on Millennium Metaphors, you guys try to keep that even split between, you know, technical showcase, lyricism, and also, you know, politics, wokeness, etc. And then, you know, also some having fun, smoking some, smoking some weed on there, too. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys, first of all, individually, Sai, uh, who do you look up to MC wise on a technical level and then also life I want to know uh, which rapper politically do you find the most influential I must really have to say Public Enemy because of the militancy that they showed but in, in the UK I used to listen to MCD I'd say MCD from UK and Public Enemy from um, America I, I knew somehow I knew Chuck D was going to be in the mix there yeah. Um, okay, what about you, Sai? Um, for, well, for, for the technical MC. Yes. I know he's getting a lot of hate right now as well, but Eminem, for me, uh, I, just the way he uses words and his vocabulary and the way he stretches and bends words. For me, how I judge an MC is how many times they'll say something and I think, I wish I'd thought of that, I wish I'd said that type of thing. Do you know what I mean? And Eminem's been one of them rappers that's done that to me loads of times. Do you know what I mean? Excellent. And then both of you guys, what is the best album in the world to smoke weed to? <laughs> Mine. <laughs> Millennium Metaphors, yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what, the best album, like hip-hop or what? Hip-hop would probably be my preference, but, you know, up to you. For me, for me, it'd be mostly reggae music. I can chill better at reggae music when I smoke and stuff and meditate on that, man. You know, I'm too indecisive to even think about that. It'd probably be something like Damian Marley or something like that right now, but... Uh, Trevor, this is a Gorillas podcast, so maybe it is time for us to start talking to them about Gorillas. It is, yeah, because I, I can I can think of no part of the Gorillas story that I have wanted more light shined on than the like Phil Life Cipher collaboration. I feel like we just don't know a lot about it. I think we need to once again establish an origin story. So how did you guys first make contact with the project? Uh, well, we've done our album, The Millennium Metaphors, which we was waiting for uh, to be released on um, Jazz Fudge Records. And at the time, um, the Gorillas, I think they was looking for some UK artists. So they'd actually sent our album to the Gorillas guys. And one day I just got a call from the guy on the label who sounded really excited and said there was someone who wanted to meet me. Could I 
come down on a certain day to a studio and he couldn't tell me what it was about, who it is. He just said it was something big. So I turned up at this studio and nearly fell on the floor when I walked in and I saw Damon Alban and all them guys. And then um, they basically said, look, we've listened to all the albums in the UK. We've listened to you guys' album. But they said, look, we're, at the moment, we only really want one rapper. We'd just like to use you. And then um, from that point, it just became a thing for me to be determined to say, look, we, we're coming out as a group. And I don't think it makes sense for me just to be in the Gorillas and then for Life Cypher to come out afterwards. I would prefer if the both of us could um, be part of it. And even DJ Napa, after a couple of weeks of getting on their case, they invited us all down. We went to a hotel that we was like, we can't believe we're staying here, man. It was just so dope. And then um, from that side, kicked a verse. And then as soon as they heard Sai's verse, they was like, yeah, you know what? I think the two of you could work. We just went from there. They just called us down and asked us to write certain beats and stuff. Yeah, Sai always pulled, having to having to prove himself in these situations, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm used to it now, man. I grew up like that. I mean, I'm, I'm the last child of four, you know what I mean? So... What about, did DJ Nappa end up being involved with the collaboration? I wasn't aware that he did any work on the record. No, nah, no, nah, he was, hope, he was hoping that he'd do like some type of remixes or whatever they said he could maybe do that, but in the end that didn't happen. So did you guys have any opinion about Damon Auburn or his previous band Blur before you started working with them? Well, I always, I always rated Blur. Damon Auburn was someone that just seemed to come across as a, a real musician and someone genuine and stuff when in the interviews I've seen on TV. But then meeting him, I never, I don't know if I've met anyone that's more musical. And they, the way he would go around the studio, just tapping on the wall and different pieces of wood or glass or anything to find a sound and record that sound and want to put that in the tune. And he was just such a down-to-earth guy for someone that was famous and, you know, a millionaire and whatever. You remember back in the day, there was the whole blow and Oasis thing of... Like them two competing with each other, and at that point, I actually liked Oasis. Do you know what I mean? And didn't really pay attention to Blur. Those Oasis albums are great. Yeah, you know what I mean. But then ended up meeting Damon. Do you know what I mean? And just like like Lev says, how how down to earth he was, and you could just see he was a genuine person, and didn't feel like he was around a celebrity when you were with him. Do you know what I mean? He just felt like a normal dude. And it's interesting that you say that because there are a lot of urban legends surrounding the recording of uh, that first Gorillaz album. And usually the picture that gets painted is pretty chaotic and drug-fueled. So is that not really your experience working with the project? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Spill the tea. Spill the tea for life. Tell us the truth. I wouldn't say drug-fueled, do you know what I mean? Right, right. Gorillaz at that time was a mixture of a load of different artists. Do you know what I mean? You had like, us coming from the hip-hop scene, you know what I mean? You had a bass player, a player that used to be the bass player for um, Bob Marley and that back in the day, do you know what I mean? You yeah. was the biggest thing with that, do you know what I mean? So along with that comes that whole drug lifestyle as well, do you know what I mean? So and you could see that they were diving into and it was like just fully around you or anything like that, do you know what I mean? It didn't feel like I was out on tour with Big James. One rumor is after the second chorus on Clint Eastwood, you can hear Damon Albarn do a line of cocaine and i just have i would not forgive myself if i didn't ask if you were there to witness that line happen well he didn't give me any of it so i wasn't there <laughs> so we used to just really smoke a lot of weed and i don't know what them guys done in their own private time but i didn't really see much of that but being on tour obviously there's other people around that you know they're offering people this type of stuff but 
I wasn't really interested in that. Just give me some ganja. And- there was there was a lot of weed and a lot of alcohol though. Yeah, I think the main story is that Damon went to Jamaica with like an entire suitcase full of weed to record the album, <laughs> and he blew through all of it by the time he was done. Why do you bring weed to Jamaica? <laughs> That's a good point. Hey. Don't he? He's a musical genius. Let's not question his methods. It's like bringing milk to a dairy farm. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so when you guys were first brought on board to the project, how did they explain the concept of the animated band to you? Basically, uh, it just said that they're going to have a cartoon group that was going to be. Uh, they just wanted somebody to rap to be able to come out of Russell's head and explain. You know that Russell had these two imaginary friends in his head and stuff like that. And um, once they showed us the concept and the drawings and everything, we was just so exciting because it was something brand new, totally different type of idea, and just something I was just happy to be involved in, especially as, like I say, when we was doing this stuff with the Gorillas, our first album still hadn't yet been released. It was still a few months from being released. So all of this kind of came from a demo to find out, oh, we've been signed to a record label. Now we're working with the Gorillas and EMI and Melbourne. So... It was just a good look for us and for our confidence. So at this point, the concept of the whole ghost possession rapper angle had already been come up with. And did Jamie ever do any concept art of like for life cipher as ghosts? Did you ever see anything like that? While we were recording, when we were recording Clint Eastwood and Starshine, and I think we did an advert as well and a couple other bits, but we were being sketched and drawn while we were in the studio there and then as well. So they were getting ideas for our characters. Of course, then we just didn't end up seeing them. God, I, I wish I would love to see those. Yeah, so would I. <laughs> were you like given instructions on how to approach the material or maybe like encouraged uh, by Damon or Jamie to reference the characters in your lyrics? Uh, not really. I mean, we write a kind of test of verse and say, oh, we're not sure what you want. And he's always just saying the same. Just be you. The thing, the same thing I heard on your record and your album. Just be them guys. So you mentioned it already, but here's what we know of for for Life Cipher Gorillas uh, material. There's obviously that early version of Clint Eastwood. There's the uh, the final version of the Sounder, and then you guys put out a version of Starshine. Uh, I think towards the beginning of this decade that that you guys were on, and then of course there's the live performances and and. Like you mentioned, that little that little advertisement for the nineteen two thousand video. Yeah. Is there is there anything else sort of missing? Any pieces from those sessions that are that have not been unearthed yet? Not that I even remember, because that that was part of the reason that I released Starshine because we had that scene there for so long. I was trying to contact people to see if it was possible for it like for us to be able to release it and not get any problem from it but no one was getting back to me so we just released it this is this is maybe a little bit stickier of a subject but ultimately i know that you guys got got cut from the the first gorillas lp you know some of your stuff made it onto the the b-sides compilation i want to know how you guys found out that that your material wasn't going to be on the record (laughs) <laughs> on an advert. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> no, I, I actually got a call from the guy from Jazz Fudge. Yeah, it kind of gave me the sad news. and basically From your he, label, from your label, somebody yeah, called you. Yeah, my label. And um, at, at that point, we'd already been and signed a whole heap of stuff. We was just waiting, basically, to um, receive upfront money. And they were saying, you know, be prepared to be on top of the pops and do this and do that. And then I think what happened is they went to Jamaica to mix down the album. Dan, the automator, he must have heard the versions of the stuff we done. He said it was a bit of equipment that he, he'd forgot, that he needed to go back to America that was important to bring to the studio to use. 
And while when he'd gone back, he took our verses off, put on um, Dale the Funky Homo Sapien. And then when he came back, they, he told Damon that he wasn't really willing to work with the gorillas and do this stuff unless he could use his own rapper. And at the time, I know Damon, when he first called us, he says, look, this is UK music. I want UK rappers. And then, yeah, we got told um, three or four months after that kind of really did most probably put me in a bit of a depression because at the time I was a single father struggling with my two kids. And I've been told, you know, don't worry, your life's about to change. Your children's life will change and, you know, things will become much easier for you in life. And I kind of most probably banked on what I was being told, not fully understanding the industry. So it was a massive letdown to us. But saying that, as Phil I. Cypher, because we was involved with the gorillas, it got it got our group for life a lot more light. And we got signed to an agency where we get a lot more shows due to the fact that we work with gorillas. So although it done me some harm in the fact of feeling the way I felt about just being dropped from nowhere after being promised so much stuff, it still worked out okay for us musically in the end. Those those might have been the very first promises broken in the gorilla story, but they were not the last. This band has a a real track record of of saying it's going to be like this, it's going to be like this, and then you know something changes that's just the that's the story of this band man but that's i mean when you're working with big companies like emi i mean even that's what damon says sometimes you know he don't have the last word is down to everybody else who sits around that table and what they think is best for the group you know to become successful and i i, I can't really argue with that you know obviously it might sound egotistical but i think they would have done better if they if they kept the life cycle you know what I mean? Because at that time we was a very we was very hungry rappers. Set after we'd recorded with them, the actual concept of gorilla started setting in more, and I started thinking of so many different ideas and things to write and tracks to do. That's a perfect tee up because I something I really want to know, and maybe it's awkward, but I want to know what I want to hear your guys's review of that of those Dell verses of the Dell version of Clint Eastwood. What do you guys think? Honestly, what do you, you know, this many years later, what do you think about that version? Uh, well, if I'm honest, I, I wasn't really feeling them. And I was kind of, I don't know why I just thought it must be something super dope for them to have taken it. And to me, it was just like, a, just a weaker version, a lot weaker than the what stuff that done? I felt like for life cypher could bring bring to the table but then I had to ask myself what for life is bringing to the table is that what they actually want then because obviously you know they went with Dale and everyone must have had to sit down to hear his versions in my mind I felt that they were kind of mesmerized by the fact that it was Dale the Funky Homo Sapien who kind of already had the name as like a West Coast rapper as well do you know what I mean as opposed to these unknown UK rappers that they would probably have to take a gamble with do you know what I mean regardless of what it is that they're hearing so I mean so I mean, for me, I, I hated the ver his version then just because of me having the spite for it then anyway, do you know what I mean? And just, now, now listening to it, I still don't like it, but I can understand why someone would like it because it is, it's easier on the ears as well. For a lot of people, for Live Cypher and how we were rapping back then as well, might have been a little bit harsh for somebody to be able to be listening to instead of this. You know, yeah, at the end of the day, I wasn't really feeling Dell's stuff too tough. And I don't know if there was even... I'm just being honest. I don't feel that, but there could have been an inner bias just because of what happened, you know, that he replaced us, but I didn't really feel it too tough. Well, I never really thought about that before, but the, but one word I would probably never use to describe those Dell verses would be like, you know, hardcore hip hop. It definitely isn't that, you know, he's doing it's definitely something. Not as, it's not as dense as the Phil Life Cypher material. No, definitely not. Definitely not. 
not not even really as lyrical, more yeah. more kind of flow oriented, uh, yeah, delivery cool. oriented. So when you when you look back now on your time in Gorillas, um, first of all, like. Do you feel any more of that? Is that bad blood? Has that all settled down at this point? Or would you work with Damon again, for example, if the opportunity ever presented itself? Um, no, yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's what I mean. He did. He sat us down and he explained. I mean, he could have been lying, but I, I, I've never I've never sat with Damon and felt like he was being dishonest at any time. And he basically said, look, this isn't what I wanted. It's what the EMI kind of went with. You know, I'm still feeling you guys and stuff like that. And anywhere in the future, if I can involve you in anything, I'll try to involve you. Uh, I'll try and get you involved in it. And I definitely feel you guys are like real dope rappers and I'd like to work with you again in the future. So I, I definitely work with them guys because they was easy to work with. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, like I say, even just watching Damon, man, just watching the, the genius <laughs> of his music and his talent and his vibe, man, it, it gave me more creativity even when I left there. They had their first show organised at the Scala in London. They've been trying to contact Del Duncan Sapien for God knows how long and then found out that he's agoraphobic and that he wouldn't be coming to do a show in the UK. So then they ended up calling us back to do the version of Clint Eastwood that we did for their live performances, which is why we did the Brit Awards. Was that and was that bittersweet? Was that tense or awkward at all coming oh, back? Cool. It was cool. It was cool. It was good to be able to link back up. And I mean, at that time, we needed the, well, we needed the money, wanted the money from it. And for us, it was building our own career within what we were doing with for life cypher anyways you know what i mean so it wasn't a thing of feeling like you'd been called back to this job you'd been sacked from and like want to kick the boss or anything like that mm -hmm. you know what i mean it was just <laughs> it was like just going back to do more music you know what i mean and it was a good opportunity you know what i mean so and you also got the opportunity to perform at the brits with them which i i think still stands as one of my favorite gorillas live performances Oh, thanks man it's one of mine as well still you know what i mean so it's just... that's a big gig the brit awards <laughs> it's a big yeah. gig it's one of the biggest gigs that we've ever done to, to date, do you know what I mean? So for me, it's, it's, it's a nice favorite in my cap. Okay, so I want to just kind of move into, to, you know, where you guys are now, what's going on in the in the Full Life Cypher universe here in 2018. Yeah, before we wrap up, let's talk about, like, the future and present of Full Life Cypher. Like, uh, Life, you put up a video of your daughter rapping earlier this year. Yeah, I watched that. I watched that about a week ago, and, and I really thought it was great. Because I, you know, I was watching it, and, like, I was like, okay, this is going to be, like, a cute video of some kid busting some rhymes. But then she starts going, and I'm like, oh, shit, this kid has some bars. Like, do you do you have any plans to, like, maybe, I don't know, do a collab with her, put out a single or a record with her? Well, at the moment, we're just working on a track where, um, basically, she goes to karate and is... All the girls that go there are just so cute. They're all like little ninjas. When they heard Scarlet rhyming, they was really impressed. And they they all seem to want to be doing it. And I said, do you want to be on the track too? So there's one more girl's verse to finish. And then uh, we'll be recording that track, see how that goes. And then I bring them out as a group. But my daughter, she still wants to do her solo stuff as well. And, and my little daughter, she, she knows the whole story. And she wants to prove to her dad that, yo, I am going to fail. I want to do this. Hopefully, you know, she's got a little dream and she's very passionate about her music and her sport. So hopefully, you know, she, she will have some type of career. Maybe she'll grow up and collaborate with Gorillaz when Damon is like in his 70s. <laughs> That'll probably be what ends up happening. Yeah. Sai, I know you love to bike. I know that sometimes you get your bike stolen, but I know at your heart <laughs> you love to bike. And I know that you also turn your passion for like BMX and biking into this like community outreach initiative in Luton that's called Pride. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about that, like what you do exactly? 
basically what it is um, for the last like year old i've been working with a lot of community organizations um in luton like basically mentoring kids and trying with the whole because luton's known as a hotbed for radicalization with whether it be gang crime or islamic radicalization or right-wing radicalization <clears throat> so i've been working in schools with kids to hopefully prevent them from being the next muslim radical or the next tommy robinson in luton part of the, the whole gang problem or whatever not whatever, whatever you want to call it a lot of the kids the one thing they've all got in common or 90 percent of them have got in common that they're all on bikes so whether that be just on bikes doing badness on bikes just doing tricks or doing whatever not they're doing but they're on street doing it back in the day in, in luton we had a place called the youth house where the youth house was situated was in the town center so it was in a neutral spot and because of that, regardless of whichever estate you were from in the town, if you were going there, if you, it wouldn't matter if you had a beef with another guy from another estate because somebody else from that estate you probably knew within your gang or all the crew that you hung with as well. So there was a lot more community cohesion within that. For me, with my passion of bikes and then seeing kids trying to get attention on their bike by doing a wheelie into a di direct traffic, into a car, <laughs> when they could have somewhere else to be able to channel that energy that they've got into something positive, do you know what I mean? So instead of riding with negativity, riding with pride, do you see what I'm saying? So That is super cool. And also, how fucked up is it that we used to like worry about our kids gangbanging and now we gotta worry about them turning into Nazis? That's fucked up, <laughs> man. <laughs> Damn, I'd, I'd much rather my kid become a blood than a, than a, than a Nazi. It is harder now in society because a lot of kids, they just don't even want to listen to positivity, but we, we just can't give up on the kids. And at one point, I was one of those kids, and I listened to a lot of people in the community. I started out on the wrong track. I got myself in a lot of trouble. And then it was someone pointing out to me how good I was at music, and maybe I should focus on that more and keep my ass out of trouble and maybe stay in when everyone's out and try and write rhymes, which I started to do, which is why I got to where I got to um, within the rap music. If you can give them another avenue to be able to do that, hopefully one or two of them and change one or two of their, mind, their minds, for me, that's a positive. Do you know what I mean? So. The last Philo Sick release hasn't come out since, I think, 2006. I know you guys were in the studio last year working on some stuff. Uh, is there any chance that that's going to see the light of day anytime soon? Um, hopefully. I mean, at the end of the day, the album was almost finished. Um, we had someone who wanted to release it. Um, we're, just, we're still waiting for Napa to do a couple of beats some of the dopest beats got corrupted and lost. No. And he's been trying to rebuild the beats and get them as close to what they was before. Hopefully maybe working on some new stuff. I mean, I've had a, a lung disease. I have a spine disease and I've had a lot of, um, a lot of um, health issues and problems, which has stopped me kind of recording a lot or being able to perform and stuff like that. But, you know, we're still working on stuff. I even come today with a track for side to do the chorus and, playing some new beats, but we definitely still got a lot to say, a lot we still want to do. Life, I'm so sorry to hear about your health struggles. Are you? How are you holding up currently? Are you doing okay at the moment? Is it a good time, a bad time? Um, well, most of the time it's a bad time, but lucky for me, I put out a video just recently on Facebook, which was me in my bedroom suffering, just in pain and agony, and a lot of times it's had me imprisoned in my home, in my bed sometimes, five, six days a week, I know, living on morphine and loads of different drugs. And, um, there's somebody who actually saw the video and he got in contact with me on Facebook and said, look, I grew up on Phil I. Cypher's music. Herbaholics is one of my favorite tracks. And he said, since then, I've um, he has his own company that does like CBD oils and stuff like that. 
And he said, I want to come down and bring you some stuff and see if I can make you any better. So I've been taking these oils for the last, I'd say, three to four weeks. Stopped taking most of my medication. And although I still have quite a few problems, I can feel that he's definitely doing something. And it's given me a light at the end of the tunnel to believe that. Oh, my God, that's great. Just imagine it might be Herbaholics that set that dude down the path he ended up on. You might have. Yeah, well, that, that's what he basically told me. So, you know, he's just come back full circle, you know, from Herbaholics to him owning his own company and then coming and saying, well, you guys educated me and helped me to get where I am and I just want to help you. So that's so special, man. That's really special. Wow, thanks, guys. Thanks again for coming on the show. It's been so great to have you on. So it's taking um, so long to get it sorted out as well, man. Worth worth the wait. No, no worries. I mean, this this really does feel like a big moment for the show because, like, back back on our our very first episode, I think one of the first goals we set for ourselves was like, let's get Five Life Cipher on the show and talk about the early days of Gorillas, and we've done it. We've done it, and you've let us know of a of a new holy grail of, of lost gorillas content the concept sketches for the animated for life cypher we gotta get our hands on those oh my god i need them but what i need to do if i can well, at some point i'm gonna go around my ex-girlfriends and try and dig out all the old because we've got some proper one-off gorillas memorabilia as well do you know what i mean so i'll take some photos of that and oh yeah anytime man open door open door we love we love for life cypher we love you guys thank you so much for your time for your words respect man. nice one peace 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 <laughs> Yo, we're turning this party out without a doubt. You know we're astonishing talent scouts. Cartoons, the sharper than harpoons. For life and gorillas only coming with dark tunes. With dark tunes, we got you moving your pelvis. Got you shaking your hips and body like you was Elvis. And no mistaking this sound, it's so profound. Gorillas rocking with livers and straight from the underground. What a crazy crazy new chapter in kind of the completest gorillas experience that interview was dylan five life cypher were on the show they were on our podcast if you listen to that interview i think it's going to change the way you think about full life cypher in the gorillas project it absolutely changed the way i think about them not just as members of the gorillas family but as like artists and human beings I mean, it was at times emotionally gut-wrenching. How could you not feel for life a single father, you know, believing that he he made it, believing that his life was going to change and he wasn't going to have to hustle so hard to get food on the table for his kids and then it being sort of pulled out from underneath him. It really... That's, that's rough. And God, for a second, it really looked like the whole story was going to be that they ended up getting cut off the album because they one of them wouldn't sell the other one out and go solo, which also would have been fucking amazingly touching. Now, how now? How much more sense now does it make that Cy Philly kept refusing to do the interview without life? Uh, yeah, seriously. Art imitates life. Life had gone out on a limb for him and risked it all to get them both on that track. Of course, Cy Philly wasn't going to have a solo for life Cypher interview without the his boys buddy. are tight. I like it. I really really respect that kind of you know stick to your guns and stick to your friends guns kind of attitude yeah, it's nice absolutely. to see people caring about each other like that in the industry i think a moment that's going to be a real head turner for some of our listeners is perhaps the boys uh less than favorable review of, of dell the funky homo sapiens versus oh on... my god that was great but i gotta say completely <laughs> 
completely unsurprising. Like not no, even, yeah. not even considering like any kind of bias that enters into it because they got dropped from the song. The politics of the situation. Yeah. Just two rappers like Five Cipher. I just can't imagine them hearing a verse like Dell's and being very impressed by it. No, yeah. If your if your entire development in the world of hip hop has been this kind of like super dense technical layering of lyrics and references and you hear Del the Funky Hope of Sapien, you know, you could probably call what he does on that track clowning a little bit. You're <laughs> a gonna, little bit. He's pretending to be a ghost. You're gonna you're gonna think, what is this what is this pop music bullshit that I'm hearing? You yeah. know? But I'll tell you right now, I, I'm not I'm not saying there's any chance, but there's nothing I want more at Demon Days 2019 than a surprise appearance from Cyphilly and Life. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine if if that little weird squeaky synth to the sounder starts up and they just uh, bound onto the stage? Jesus! I mean, I'd have a heart attack. I'd have you, a heart we, attack. We wouldn't be able to escape the rhymes even if we were Houdini. Hey, speaking of being unable to escape their rhymes, do you want to talk about this album that you and I have seemingly been unable to escape for the past several months of our lives now? Let's talk about the year 2000 Flight Cipher full-length LP, technically not a double album. Full, full-length LP. Millennium Metaphors. And I be the herbaholic, specializing in hydroponics, saving the sickest niggas with my hydroponic conics. Super like Sonic, blowing like the Spanish Armada, ready to spit the gift about the myth of marijuana. So we've been listening to this record on and off for months. For a long time, it seems for like. For quite a while. One big challenge for me, Trevor, in approaching this album critically for this podcast is that of the 19 songs on Millennium Metaphors, only nine of them have lyrics on the internet. That was tough, wasn't it? Oh man. It is such a lyrically dense record that I felt like I I felt like I needed one of those dictation pedals like the guy from the fall the fall message board has. Yeah, we should have called him up. <laughs> so that I could go back. What, what's that? What's the second part of that line? What's going on there? They're just moving so fast, and I'm just trying my best to have like to have an academic take on it. And it's boy, it's like what a it's like you're trying to scale a brick wall, but with lightning speed. Fire Life Cipher are cementing and bricking it up <laughs> as you're trying to <laughs> scramble up it. Yeah, in a very sort of wily e. coyote bug buddy yeah. way. Definitely, yep. we touched on it in the interview. This is a sprawling massive record it's a, um, it's a very very long piece of work it's an hour and 19 minutes right to the very brink of what you can fit on a cd i mean i there are double albums that are technically shorter than that yeah that interview is such good preamble for this record i feel like we should just get into our relatives i i think so yeah and, and my opinions about the album will probably come out in those do you want to go first yeah absolutely uh my first is crammed I mean, not only is this CD crammed with content, these songs are just, these verses are super extended and each line is as dense as can be. And and they, and they just don't breathe, you know? Uh, like, there's a very, like, high contrast between this style of rapping and what's popular today, I think. Like, with Trap, you get a lot of empty spaces and, like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. 
and then they'll mic pass over to the next one and and it'll sound like you know they they start to sound similar enough on the record that it'll sound just like one crazy monster mc with two heads kind of delivering like 128 bar verses which actually brings me to my second gorilla fused i believe that this album is really the fusion of two men into kind of one hip-hop entity they talked in our interview with about sitting in the same room with pencil and paper and writing these songs together beginning to end. And even though you do get to learn what life sounds like versus what Cyphilly sounds like, it definitely feels like when you hear the track on this record that you know was recorded earlier than everything else, it sounds like their flows grew closer and closer together as this process of making this album kind of went through the paces and they do seem to have stressed that to all of their listeners in the past like people would say like oh i really like what he's doing on this track and i really like what you're doing on this track and they're like no man you got to listen to the whole song is like one thing yeah definitely that's all i've been able to say to myself in my head in the last like week or so since we've done that interview as i've kept preparing for this album i'll just put it on and think like no mate you got to be listening to the whole track you got to just listen to the whole you track listen to the whole track and my final gorillative is, you know, I was kind of thinking about how this was this was poised to kind of strike at that that moment where socially conscious hip hop was was on the rise, and so I settled on this word vigilante because I think that rather than kind of a gangstified energy, but there is still a lawlessness to the way that they're kind of speaking truth to power. So they sort of strike me as like, you know, masked heroes or Robin Hood figures. Those are my gorillatives, Trevor, and I'm I'm excited to hear yours. Hit me with it. Sure, I, I think. My first one isn't going to come as any surprise. It's a uh, verbose. Yeah, this I is mean, an album with a lot of words on it. It really is. If somebody were to ask me how many words were on this album, I would just say probably all of them. <laughs> My second girl, I think, really speaks to the in that I eventually found with the album. You know, talking about De La Soul again. I think you'll remember when I when we were reviewing that album. I initially had trouble with that. But yeah. eventually I just heard it so many times that like I came around to it and it felt just like hanging out with like De La Soul, like a fun rap group to be around. Yeah. Definitely. And eventually I found a similar into this one. The end there was that I think this album belongs to like a very small genre of music I've come across that like just strikes me as being like musical therapy. Oh, interesting. It okay. really, I think it's a really great picture of the creative process as a refuge from the struggles and tribulations of everyday life. Like there are some albums that sound like the process of making them was the only enjoyable thing going on at that point of the author's life. And this is one of them. Like I just picture file of cipher just being these two dudes who are kind of down on their luck. They have trouble making ends meet. Sometimes they're struggling at dead end jobs. One of them's got a like kid to support, but he like doesn't have a super ton of money. They're on this super tiny label that's yeah. probably getting them, you know, a little bit of a little bit of studio time. And, yeah, yeah. Definitely. But I think I think whenever these guys go in the studio together, all their problems just melt away, and they like become Five Life Cipher, and they're like, "Hey, what's up? Let's do some rapping. How many words did you come up with that rhyme? I got a lot, and let's do this thing. Let's make this thing that's gonna keep both of us going." And I think. That's really powerful. Oh my God. Wait a minute. What's the, tell me the name. You say out loud to me the name of the cough drop that De La Soul uses. Uh, Luton? And then the city that Phi Life Cypher from Luton. Oh, weird. Del A Soul. <laughs> Del A Soul. <laughs> 
and and I, the last, my last adjective, I think is maybe a bit of a throwaway, but I think it makes sense in a way. Um, when I when I picture uh, Fall Out Cyber recording this album, I always imagine them. It's it's nighttime in like this small English city. And like it's cold, and they just go into the in the studio. They take solace in this session. So I thought like soupy was appropriate. Oh, I like that. I like yeah, that. Like like it's like a warm bowl of soup, you know. Like a lot of this record feels like it takes place at night and in the cold, and it's just something that they made for you to curl up with, like a warm bowl of soup. It really, it, you really do get the sense that these boys are fucking writing for this for their lives. You yeah. know, yeah. Like, like this is this is what brings them joy in life, and they. There's some stuff going on where they just need some joy. The way that Life MC and Cy approach rap music, like, they were punching as hard as they could fucking punch on this record. Like, they, you legitimately believe that these guys wanted to come up with every single rhyme in the English dictionary. <laughs> and they may just have done it. Okay, so let's get into the, into the album proper. We've got an intro up top. Got a ton to say about this. You've got some kind of DJ Napa scritching and scratching, and also some sample work. Uh, I'd like it's to know. It's just some kind of like old, old classic style Wu Tang thing with kung fu samples. Are you ready for life? Yeah, there's actually a, an Enter the Dragon sample. Very Wu Tang. Yep. Very mm. Wu Tang. I will find someone with which you can fight. Something Napa's doing here up top that I do like is that he's got that very like mid '80s Rick Rubin, Jazzy J, LL Cool J like. Super hard snare, that pop, that really pop and snare. I gotta say, I really dig the production on this album. I think there are some key problems with it that are stumbling blocks at times. But, like, overall, I'm a big fan of the way this record sounds. Let's get into the first big track, and boy, big doesn't even begin to describe. Yeah, it's A, B, C. So this has a place in a minor tradition of rap songs, Trevor, where the gimmick is that each verse is progressing through the alphabet using alliteration. I got it almost immediately. And when I did, you can imagine the dread that sank in. <laughs> this song is six minutes long, almost seven. Almost seven. Yeah. The two other famous examples are Papoose's Alphabet Slaughter, and probably the most famous example is Black Alicious's Alphabet Aerobics, which is actually, I think, kind of considered like a pretty big cult classic of kind of backpacker hip-hop. I haven't heard either of them. I thought it'd be funny to take a look at how each of these three songs handled the letter X. Okay. Okay, so Black Alicious's was... Xerox, my X-ray dilation holes extra large. X-height letters and xylophone tones. All right. Papoose goes, X-rated, X-African, X-man, X-leaders, X-clarence, X-Malcolm, X-clan. And then for life cipher, I went to the X-game with my X-girls in an extra large t-shirt because I'm an extremist and no one can play the xylophone with my penis. Clear winner. This is the first of, of several times that Philly on this album will, will always use the word penis to refer to his own genitals. And I gotta say, he's definitely on his own little beaten path there. Biggie did it once. I got the cleanest, meanest penis. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There, are, there are other examples. 
I would probably rank them number one Black Alicious. It's probably the most fun and also the shortest. And the gimmick of that one is that he speeds up as it goes along. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say number two, Falai Cypher, because it's the purest example of the three. Number three, that Papoose one. Not only does he never stop shouting, but he also gets all the way to Z, Trevor, and then his shitty producer goes, now do it backwards, and then he fucking does. So <laughs> Awful. Yeah, that's a Oof. rough one. All right, so I want to talk about a few things that I don't like about this song. Go for I it. I know I just praised the production, but oh my God, this beat is like the same like four seconds, just looping for six minutes. There's no variation on it whatsoever. It's really rough. It definitely only serves to make you kind of feel trapped in the song <laughs> trapped you feel <laughs> and yeah. i i totally understand why if you're for life cypher you would be very proud of this song oh yes absolutely i can like this completely checks out like they're sitting down what song do we want to lead with uh let's do the one with the most rhymes that way everybody will know what good rappers we are right off the bat i understand the logic of wanting yep. to come out the gate with this big crazy you know fucking swinging but i think this is not the right way to start this out no no it's like being thrown into the deep end i don't know who these guys are yet if i'm picking this album out or what this album is going to be like so the only reaction you can have is like what the fuck am i listening to a good album opener should leave you going like man i want to hear more of this but what this song makes me say is that's that's enough of that see if you can go with here i think i think the place for abc that would have made the most sense would be hidden track i feel you i do have an altered version of this album that i'll walk you through at the end because i think it works a lot better but i think there you, is a pretty listenable album in here do you catch my logic where like yeah absolutely this is like an after hours exercise that like takes place after the studio has shut down you've gotten to know them you understand their politics you understand their point of view their perspective yeah. and then at, after all that sort of said and done then they do this big weird crazy colorful yeah thing. you get to see them just pull out all the stops you don't lead with pulling out all the stops though it's a giant brick wall right at the gate of this party they want you to come into I like the outro where they go, alphabet, alphabet, this is the alphabet, because I like to imagine somebody listening to this album, like, super high, and then they get to that part and go, oh, that's what oh, they're shit. doing. Yeah. I like, I like how this song ends with that voice going, hmm, well, keep practicing. <laughs> Would have been a great end to the record. Little DJ Napa underhand. Yeah. I do want to talk about the one thing I like about this song, and that's, this is going to sound underhanded, but it's when it's over. Because it's not a bad song, and it's not that I don't like listening to it, but there's like a certain catharsis that comes with making it to the end of such a demanding exercise, right? Yeah, definitely. Like, when I first moved to LA a couple years ago, I actually went to some CrossFit classes for like a couple weeks, and like I hated doing it. It was miserable. Like... The work was hard and, and I wouldn't, wouldn't enjoy it while I was there. But afterwards, I would feel like amazing. Like I just like slain a dragon or something. It, you do get a little of that sort of post-workout glow. I agree. And I don't go to CrossFit anymore, but I'm excited to say that I feel the same way when I make it to the end of ABC. It's like moving a monster truck tire around with your bare hands. We never actually did any of that stuff. I think they just do that on TV. Just to try to sell you on the whole cult of CrossFit? It's definitely a cult. What about the rhyme of the times? Is there some cult language in this next track? The rain rides on a funky city somewhere in the south. There's this shit turd school and all 
This one's actually, I think this one's pretty okay. I think this one would have been a solid opener and it sounds like it was supposed to be with that intro dialogue. Maybe this is more of a personal idiosyncrasy, but the thing that kind of holds this one back is I don't like dramatic strings in my hip-hop beats. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of those either. They're very turn of the millennium Eminem. Yeah, and he always loved that shit, and it's always sounded so corny to me. I don't know. It's not yeah. for me. I also kind of wish this had a hook for me to kind of wrap my head around. It's it's a little bit hard for me to clock, like, what exactly is going on here. It's very dense. This is one that doesn't have lyrics online. I think, I think loosely it's an examination about kind of, like, what things are like these days and how far we've fallen. The best line in, in this one for me probably is that, that Life MC bar towards the end where he goes, uh, the world's gone to magpies, but the devil thinks it's funny teaching kids to hold the gun and shout, show, show me, the, me money. the money. Yeah, that, that's funny. They do have songs about things and we'll talk about them as they come up, but this doesn't feel like one of them. This just feels like, hey, we're five of Cypher. We're going to bust some rhymes. This one's got that little repeated sample where he goes, uh, show respect, write rhymes that connect. And I definitely want to show res these boys some respect, but I but I think that might be the main issue that I have with the song is that it it definitely feels very kind of like they're doing their thing real fast, real hard, and I'm kind of trying to find a space to squeeze in and figure out what's happening. You want to talk about the next song, BBC? This is in my top three. This is my number two on the record. This one's cool. I like this one. It's got a really chill kind of nocturnal vibe. One of the best Napa beats, in my opinion. It's got a, it's got that very kind of almost like a creeping energy to it. It feels a little bit foreboding, a little bit mournful. Very, very weary. Very like I just got off my dead end job shift and I'm headed to the studio to write some rhymes with this guy that I meet up with after work and we're trying to do a music thing together. And it's kind of all I got in my life right now. Life's best lyric in this one is definitely. So who's really the baddest man on the planet? If it's not Mike Tyson, it be life. God, God damn, damn it! it! That's great. Yeah, there's this one Cy Philly lyric that just makes me want to like just spin a verse in first to make you know I reverse the hardest lyrically cures the worst of instantaneous outbursts from birth. Like, oh come on, dude. Revolve like planet Earth, evolve like mankind on God's turf. Plus, I think so deep, my mind takes quantum leaps like Captain Kirk. Cy Philly, I am so tired. <laughs> What is a Bumba Clark? <laughs> okay, I'm glad you asked. So, life has a really good lead into this hook. Where my dog's at, fuck the dog, I be the harbor shark, operating off the dark because I'm bad a bad Bumba, Bumba Clark. Clark. So, both of these are Jamaican patois. A harbor shark is a greedy person. So, I really like that moment where he's like, hey, where are my friends? You know what? Fuck my friends because I'm all about me. I like that. That's good. And then a bumbaclart is a word that I hear in a lot of kind of Jamaican dance hall and reggae, and I decided to finally look it up. I found out that it's more or less kind of like a meaningless piece of profanity that you just use as an exclamation. So it's like bad motherfucker. But it actually means bumba is blood and clot is cloth, and it literally means tampon. I'm a bad tampon. I think this is a great catchy hook, too. It's it's simple. It's effective. I like it a lot. Definitely one of the more memorable moments on the record. This is a keeper. And hey, this next song is actually about something. The Racist, a very good song, in my opinion. Look at that coon in that car over there. It's just sick, isn't it? I know. It's got a white bird in it. 
Yeah, I think this is another winner. I really especially love this little intro they do. Oh, I love this. Where Sai and Life are pretending to be racist white Englanders who are like... <laughs> Very funny. Turning their nose up in an interracial couple and they do yeah. the accents really good. He's got a white bird in there too. You no, know, we got it. Yeah, drugs, mate. Makes you sick coming over here taking our jobs. <laughs> yeah, they, they really got their numbers. <laughs> really good. This Napa beat is so 36 Chambers Risen, but I like it a lot. I like yeah, it this a lot. Feels like, this feels like a good follow-up to BBC, keeping Definitely. up those like really weary kind of nocturnal vibes, but here with like a little more grit to it, too, because the boys are a bit angrier on this track. This is one of the very explicit political moments on the record and whenever this happens it always feels like life is like very urgently trying to get his message out and then Sai is a little bit more willing to kind of have a bit more fun with the wordplay and like get into the journey rather than the destination and I think both approaches have their ups and their downs. Yeah I like um, uh, the police's uniform to cover the mark of the beast. Very good. But I think this Psy Philly verse really goes in. It's very technical, but it doesn't sacrifice being about anything. It's still, it still has content. And I think I love this entire opening run, and I just want to read it because I think it's like it's a, it's a perfect example of what it sounds like when the style is, is being done well. Sure. I'm living inside of this spinning sphere of hatred. Because of my black skin, I'm spitting the lyrical testimonies that are sacred. To the racist, I'd be considered a threat to civilization. Whether they blacks or Asians, it's taking the white man's occupation. I'm feeling frustration from the subliminal segregation and organization that's funding the race-hate federations. Professional haters that think in their white race liberators, racist dictators, and racist magazine legislators. That's fucking... That's serious. You can, you can You can picture people like snapping behind that in like a in like a hard beat theater or something his goddess was singing as yeah. he was as he was writing that for sure he also does say penis again he says I've, I've seen this like i've seen the end of my fucking penis will soon be going to war with these right-wing extremists so. <laughs> yeah he does say that he does say that yeah this little refrain at the end is like it's it this is the quintessential life MC's taste in hip hop moment on this record in my opinion where they they say combat 18 FBI CID CIA BNP MI5 National Front KKK just a <laughs> list of organizations that are but like it rhymes it does it does rhyme so just I actually kind of like that moment I like how they link up and both do it at once full life cipher is going to get you if you if you join those orgs, you yeah, know. he might he might drop some bombs on you, like in this next song. Drop bombs, number three on the record for me. Love it. This is a fun one. One of the highlights on the song is that hook, which is built around the sample from uh, Arrest the President by Tragedy Gaddafi. Yo, Philly, grab the mics and drop bombs. Yo, Life, grab the mic and drop bombs. Very catchy, very That's catchy. That's definitely one of the most fun moments on the record, and it really reminds me of A Tribe Called Quest. Everything about this song actually reminds me of that group. The flows are also a lot more fun than a lot of the other ones on this album, too. I especially love when Cy Philly's going like, smoke joints while I manipulate pressure points, fracture rapper and hear the crack of bone disjoints. I want to talk about this life verse, which I think is a thing of beauty. One of the one of the best runs on the album when he starts he gets doing a, he gets a really good flow going. He, when he starts doing his puns on the names of all the famous classic MCs that he loves, like I won't even stop to cite all of these because we'd be here all night. But I still want to quote this run because I think it's like 
so good. It's so good. Where he goes, uh, most deaf and believe, flow in any company, heavy like D, fat like Joe, make you run like DMC. I'd be the master like P of any ceremony, have a Wu-Tang brother say in life, you God, not me. That's fucking great. Love that. I'm so glad that you decided to go into that whole thing because I remember many, many, many years ago on the Gorillas unofficial forums, uh, you and another member, I believe, I, I don't remember who it was. Um, oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> recorded a little, recorded a little, a little original Gorillas inspired tune. Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, I can't believe I remember this, but what was it? It was like it was hand clapper. It was based on this on these like little pieces of a session for a song that was never released that were on the Phase One Kong Studios. It was just essentially like a little guitar riff that went bum bum ba dum bum. It was a good guitar riff, though. I would have liked to have heard a finished song of that. Do you remember who you recorded this with? Yeah, it was actually an an IRL gorilla's friend of mine at the time from my high school, a guy named Eddie. But this this little song featured a young Dylan Flynn busting some rhymes. It did, it did. A a tight 16 bar over the course of which (laughs) he threw out little (laughs) clever references to rappers that have worked with gorillas in the past. Don, do you remember any of that? Oh my god, let me think. Uh, uh, Oh god, hang on, hang on. I do think you said um, bounce wiggle, bounce wiggle, talking roots maneuver. I did say that, you're right. Oh boy. I can't believe I remember that. I wish I still had that MP3, but I don't. Yeah. Shame. I'ma drop this rap, might even drop it well. Going out to the fella that make your heart well. You can already tell, I'm talking MF and Dell. Them real motherfuckers make the album sell. Can't make the man in the mask to an animated monkey. Danger mouse beats break hard like Humpty Dumpty. Don't need no lady love to get me drunk and bump me. De La Soul on the track and they keep it in funkin'. Bounce, wiggle, bounce, wiggle, talk a moot maneuver. If you feel it all alone, his rhymes about the studio. Swing your hip, do the dip and rock the house. It started with the automatic. Now we kick it to the beat now Cootie try to warn us of the danger Danger will rob it Then we lost with the space monkeys Spinning the dub to a far off land All your motherfuckers better clap your hands Next, a song that I would not keep on this record And I do not have a single note for And cannot remember off the top of my head Take heed Not my favorite by a long shot here. I'm no, not. I like I said. I don't have anything for this one. I don't really like the beat. The it, the beat has this like one note bass thing that really wears on me by the end. Some of these songs just the loops are not long enough. The hook is also it doesn't do anything for me. It's like a bunch of like kind of spaced out non-connected samples of like verbal assault. Take heed. Shit's official. It just doesn't feel like much of anything's happening here. Just throwing some shit at the wall, hoping it sticks. It's the first time this happens, and it's always a little bit bummer when it do- when it ha- does happen. But I keep reminding myself, you know, it was the year two thousand. What are you gonna do? But life does call out undercover rap homos on this track, which is yeah. The- there's there's a couple moments of uh, casual homophobia, uh, especially on one of the later tracks that I'll definitely want to talk about because it's at its most ironic. But he does have one. He does have one really good line on this though, where he goes. I kill so many lyricists with my dark poison pen. I have to resurrect dead rappers so I can kill them again. That's 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 charming. And I don't know if I love this line, but it also makes me lo- chuckle when he goes, I can never replay like Sony PlayStation Arcade, so fuck Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, Tekken, and Soul Blade. <laughs> I don't know if I love that, but it's definitely fun. It's, it's very funny. <laughs> 
Do you have any notes for um, verbal wars? I don't. Yeah, definitely. This one really stands out to me. It's a big gear shift stylistically. It's very unconventional. Yeah, it doesn't sound like anything else on the record, but it sounds bad. This beat has almost no percussion and no bass. It's just this very weird, like, sitar loop. And it's got this this intro where the it sounds like a channel flipping and lots of static. And that static carries over to these verses where, like, Psy and Life's vocals have been processed in this weird CB radio way. I don't know. This is interesting. It's, it's, I, I like it as a little bit of a change of pace, I suppose. And it's not very long. It's four, it's four minutes. Is it? Oh, well, it's never mind. four whole minutes. Take it back. I'm not big on this next one either, For Life, For Life. When rappers see me, it's white packs on peace treaties. How they moody like a yeah, this one is another that's just kind of like there for me. I do like that little that hook at the beginning, though, that when rappers see me, it's white flags and peace treaties. I think that's cool. It's good energy on that second Cyphilly verse, but it feels like more of the same. You know, drop so many lyrics, you can call me Butterfingers, just like lines, lines that feel like they could have been on any of these other songs. And I don't know, not enough focus. It's like a... That Napa beat's a little too repetitive. It just doesn't doesn't do anything to stand out for me. Yeah, I, f- I feel you there. What about this next one, though? Last Man Standing. Uh, again, I cut this one from the album. I like this beat a lot. It's kind of charmingly sloppy. It's got some 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 kind of cute bloops and words in it. It's occasionally kind of so loud, though, that it really swallows these verses a little bit. This one feels like, similarly to Verbal Wars, it feels like a departure from the record's style, but not in a way that's just jarring. It, it fits in a little better, I think, but still don't love this one there, there's a refrain here at the end that does not do anything for me where they they keep going uh from the okay corral to the guns of navarone we'd be the last man standing blazing microphones they, i don't know sometimes a reference feels like it belongs in a song like a little jigsaw piece that fits or something but westerns tend to have very long clunky titles and this just feels a little bit like a like a box is being checked or something when they when they name check those movies. I don't sure, know. I feel you on that one. It's a little uninspired. Fat Cats, though, feels like a bit of a reinvigoration of the energy on this record to me. Government tax and cutbacks, feeding the fat cats, house of the parliament members, cruising round in polished jacks, living a life of superstars, flash cars, cigars, boarding designer, fitted suits, living in six figure yards. Yeah, this one's fun, and it's, and it's got a real soulful beat, too. And if, if for no other reason the boys have a topic here, they're. they're... Yeah, I'm, this is another song that is actually about something about, you know, crooked politicians taking advantage of the little guy. And, you know, rich folks and how they kind of play in the grand conspiracy with those crooked politicians. And... Hey, somebody, somebody call a friend of the program, Matt Bellamy right <laughs> you want to hear a, a, a lyric that makes you know you're listening to a british uh, conscious hip-hop record sure <laughs> when life mc goes the national health service is a disgrace <laughs> <laughs> i think we're not quite back up to the standard of that like early run of bangers but i like the focus here i like the energy here the hook here kind of feels like a verse that's sort of arbitrarily being repeated. And again, it's unfortunate the way they decide to make fun of Parliament uh, by calling them 
homosexual MPs in penthouses and Bentleys. Love the shade they throw at crooked politicians, not in love with the casual homophobia. How are you going to put songs on your album about like racism and stuff, but then do that kind of thing? Yeah, I know. It was 2000. I, I, get, I get a vibe from those boys that they would not be writing lyrics like this today in 2018. No, probably not. I don't know. It feels like we're shaking some of the cobwebs off here, but I'm still kind of waiting for that next big haymaker punch. Next, we do have their most streamed song, right? This is Herbaholics. I mean, the signature for life cipher song, uh, not exactly for me. We, we, weed culture is not really my thing. No, but then this is a classic hip hop weed song I see done all the time. There's almost, there's almost an identical tune on the, um, Streets album that must have come out around this time as well, where it's like, weed is great. I don't understand why people complain about it when alcohol is worse and that's normal. My favorite, my favorite bars though, from Philly, alcohol causes kidney damage and liver cirrhosis. Marijuana has been known for curing multiple sclerosis. My diagnosis is that it doesn't cause psychosis. Only some people suffer with a case of halitosis. Thank you, Dr. Philly. <laughs> Life also, I think, really comes in swinging on that second verse. I don't like his verse. I think he's going way too fast for this kind of beat. A ganja smoker, herb cultivator, the world champion spliff maker. Build a ziggy so big I use 152 packets of Rizla paper. I sparked it up in the UK. You can smell the vapors in Jamaica. Slab dunked a hole in my brain like Kobe Bryant playing for the Lakers. That's just not, he doesn't sound like he's smoked any weed at all, though. He sounds like he's done uppers. Yeah, he is going pretty hard, but I don't know. The wordplay yeah. I can get into. I do, I do like the end of Cyphilly's second verse, uh, you all think radiation gave the X-Men their superpowers, but how can you really tell if they got it from smoking super skunk buds and flowers? <laughs> That's true. And he also comes back with his third and definitely grossest use of the word penis when he goes, <laughs> I got an aphrodisiac weed from Venus stiffing your penis, getting your girl to start her period on your dick like ballerinas. Ugh. Yeah. Side Philly, see me after class. I do like this little skit they include at the end. That's pretty funny, right? The weed one where it's like, I've got some grass. Yay. But I ain't got no papers. Boo. Yeah. But I got a pipe. Yay. But we ain't got a lighter. Boo. Boo. Yeah, that's fun. That's cute. For life is here. Yeah. Yeah, Veli Cypher, Millennium 2000. Uh, more dramatic strings here from Napa, but they're a little less corny than the ones on Rhyme of the Times. This is in my top three. I like these strings a lot, actually. They sound very, like, kind of post-classical to me and, like, something that might play in the background of, like, an anime while somebody's doing kung fu fighting with a robot. I can take these strings. This is also another big pop moment, but that... I, I have to assume it's intentional as like a tributor or not, but this hook is so similar to Master P's Make Him Say Uh. Oh, yeah, it is. Make Him Say Uh. Yeah. Versus Let Me Hear You Say Ooh, ooh, ooh for life, life is, is here. here. Dressed in battle gear. I like the hook, though. It's fun. Quite a boastful line when one of them says that they have more fans than Beatles in the 60s. <laughs> I mean, you just got to believe it until it comes true. Yeah. Uh, Philly at one point rhymes River Phoenix with Kleenex, and that has to be the first and last time that ever happened. Great. I appreciate the fact that we're getting back into like a more pop music kind of format here you know two verses two hooks and an outro it does feel a little weird to be like two-thirds of the way through an album and now they're announcing that like full life has arrived sure yeah that is a little <laughs> silly isn't it but 
to me, it tees us up for my absolute favorite song on this record, Bring It To Ya. Cool. This is my number two. This is a really good one, especially because of that hook. Love that beat, too. That crunchy piano, yep. head-nodding beat. This hook is so good. For yeah. life will bring it to, to you. you. For, For life will bring, bring it raw. raw. For life will take the futuristic devil metaphors. I like changing it too in my head to just be like silly stuff like, For life will bring it to you. For life will bring it raw. For life will pick you up anything that you need from the store. <laughs> life rampages here. Faster than a samurai sword that's swugged by Zanzi. We stampede with the speed of a McLaren and a Grand Prix. That whole verse is pretty heavyweight. Understand me, Kimasabi. I gotta say that as much as I like the song, the, the verses are just total word soup to me. I like the energy of it. The energy is great, and it sounds cool, and he's like really present, and that's why I like the song. It's the peak of for life cypher is i think a marketable hip-hop act in my opinion they're charming they're they're full of energy they're twisting and technical and they're writing big killer hooks like absolutely this could have been a single for sure let's talk about bad men from the west i'm a big fan of this beat I couldn't find any credit suggesting that there are guest vocalists who are singing on this little this little like bridge thing, but it's yeah. a nice change of pace. I guess it's possible that like life is the first one, but I like whoever's doing that who sings like we are the two bad boys from the West. Very good. Yeah, that, that's fun. I don't know. I think this one is, it wouldn't make my final version. I think it's a little forgettable. I like when Sai starts a rhyme and life finishes it. Like, I like when Sai says, don't ever risk it. Try to touch life with the ballistics. And then life goes, I'm the lyrical whiz kid making the grade when it's liquid. It's like, it's like they're so close that they finish each other's sentences yeah i don't know i enjoy this one it's got a it's got a good kind of a naughty energy about it that it, that resonates with me would have relegated it to a b-side probably i would also relegate this next song to a b-side even though it has a in its title class a material jocks i love a me mate only last night i popped six seeds in a rave Brass. put a bottle of amyl nitrate up each nostril a bit of pretty whiz down me neck and i was off me nuts oh i don't know i i gotta disagree with you here i i'm a big fan of this one how can you not love this opening sketch where I got, I got, are... yeah the, the one thing i do really like about this song is it brings back their like dumbass white nationalist voice yeah, but this time they're like a couple of like hard clubbing, hard drugging hooligans. Let me tell you about drugs. Last night I popped six C's in a raid, dropped a bottle of amyl nitrates up each nostril. Mate, mate, you must have been zonked. Bit of whiz bang and I was off me nut. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I really love the Cy personal history stuff on here where he goes, uh... I used to take ecstasy and then dance with extra energy. The next day I was depressed, dehydrated with loss of memory. I only got a headache the couple times I smoked cocaine. At 60 pounds a gram, that was one expensive migraine. That's that is a good line. I like that one, those yeah. Those are some good bars. And I like this one. This yeah. one makes the cut for me. I like it. This next song, though, might not be a big surprise to you. Is my number one on the record. It is the big Five Life Cypher versus the Illuminati showcase. Crazy ball heads. <laughs> Check it out. 
Yeah, this is the, this song is about Satan's agents on the earth. They come right out the gate going, Five Cypher attacking the Illuminati, check it out. And then Cy Philly just rips into what I think is his best verse on this album, which starts with the iconic lines. I got, I got the, the kind, kind of style, style that makes disabled people run around. I rap from sunrise to sunset. Now, what is sunset, Trevor? That's when the sun's down. <laughs> That's when the sun's down. <laughs> he made a rhyme. You can watch a lot of YouTube documentaries about like the New World Order, and you'll learn a lot. But what you won't learn, what, Cy- what the Life Cypher can tell you, is that all of them are also gay and like to suck dicks and whatnot. Yeah. So yeah. that's the thing you can learn. But I just want to read some of this. You know, my name be life. Some people mistake me for Jesus Christ because he was light-skinned in dreadlocks and sandals, but I wear the Nikes. We've both been crucified because of our wisdom and our beliefs from the system of Babylon, triple six mark of the beast. Now Satan be the patron of hate, war, and devastation. His occupation is to turn the whole world into a gang of Freemasons. Like Revelation, I reveal how I feel about Lucifer's army. Those crack-smoking blasphemers who munchin' on salami. Gulping down sunny delight, there'll be another devil's angle. The Church of Satan receives 50% of the profits of Procter and Gamble. <laughs> That's a, that's a very fun verse. And I don't know. This one can definitely stick around. It's not in my top three, but I mean, y- you can't imagine a version of the album without this moment. Fuck the Illuminati. Millennium Metaphors, the title track is next. And listen, Trevor, listen. At six minutes and 42 seconds, yes, it is a very, very long song to not have a hook. But whatever, man. Hardcore hip-hop, honestly, they make this one work, in my opinion, just on, like, quality of performance alone. I don't know. They're, they're just... Sty Philly's still pretty convinced that he can cure paralysis. He goes, I've been to Area 51 and taught aliens mathematics. You better believe I could teach Christopher Reeve acrobatics. I don't know, man. This one's too long for me. I think it's very appropriately called Millennium Metaphors because, one... It feels like it lasts a thousand years. And two, there are a thousand different metaphors in it. There's like 30 seconds of scratching at the end, too. And you, you want to be like, hey, Napa, we're already at the six minute mark. Like, let's go ahead and bring this one in for the close. But I, I don't know. Let's land this plane, Napa. Napa, no, you're going higher. Napa. I'm still going to keep this one in, around because I think that this one somehow or another manages to be like a little shot of adrenaline to me here in the in the final hour. No, this just seems like a 11th hour marathon, and I am so out of energy by this point, I just can't do it. I always get my second wind on Millennium Metaphors for some reason. I can't exactly put my finger on why. Well, we're going to need that second one to get through the final song on the album, and it's kind of a big one, I guess, right? It seemed to be in that interview. It's The Shining. Even the stars and the sun don't shine like this. Yeah, this is like the plug tune-in of the Philife Cypher story, you know? Yeah, this is like ground zero for the Philife Cypher story, where they really first connected and realized they'd struck gold. Psy really sounds so different here. Like, his flow is still very much kind of figuring itself out on this song. You can tell it's like an early track, for sure, definitely. I like how he ends that uh, that verse. He goes, uh, 
you know, N-word trying to redefine me with swine, jumped on his back, cold, fucked up his spine. He definitely is, is like a little bit more violent, a little bit more brutal. It's clear that life is more developed here. He's sounding a little bit more confident and maybe a little denser, but also less expressive, I think, than Saifili sounds. But he's not particularly winning me over when he talks about kicking a pregnant lady and breaking her fucking waters. I don't know. That doesn't... <laughs> My God. It's pretty... I don't know. But this is cool. It's cool to hear these guys figuring out the chemistry, and it's and it's yeah. a nice piece of of Philosopher history to have, like, as a document for this group. You know, if 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 Plug Tunin belongs on Three Feet High and Rising, then I'd say The Shining belongs on Millennium Metaphors for the same reasons. Sure, I can I can agree with that, even though it did not make my personal cut. But we'll get to that in just a second. What do you know? As we finish the the track by track review of Millennium Metaphors, are you ready to hit me with your three moments? Moments. I am. I am. I don't think they'll be too surprising. Um, my third favorite moment has got to be whenever the boys put on their like skit voices and either turn into white nationalists or uh, goofy drug addicts and push the comedy full throttle. I really enjoy that. I think they're genuinely funny guys. They have a winning chemistry whenever they're doing that. Number three for me, uh, Philly's second verse entrance on the racist, technical, but also on point, on message. Very good. And my second favorite moment, uh, we talked about it a just a few minutes ago, it's when Cy Philly explains that sunset is when the sun's down <laughs> before definitively putting an end to the Illuminati's attempts to establish a new world order over the course of the first verse of Crazy Ballheads. Pretty great. And uh, my number two is Life's Amazing MC Name Pun Run on Drop Bombs. Definitely a highlight for me. Nice. And my, my number one, we talked about it all the way towards the beginning of the review. Uh, it's not one of my favorite songs in the album by any means, and I'm never going to just sit down and listen to it probably. But my favorite moment is the end of ABC, because I really feel like I've run a gauntlet and made it through something. You're looking out over a mountain. The view that the mountain you just climbed is affording you. I've just you. scaled Everest with these two guys next to me who've been putting together every possible rhyme the entire way. Well, you and I are, are thinking with some parallel, clearly, because my number one is definitely those wraparound sketches in Class A material, and maybe maybe a close runner-up in uh, The Racist. Nice, nice. Okay, I also have a an abbreviated version of this record. I, I have a feeling they're going to be pretty different, but it should be interesting to go through them. Why don't, you want me to go first, or you go first? Um, you know, you don't usually do this very often, or at least as often as I do, so why don't you go first? Okay, I did some surgery here. I definitely moved things around a lot. I'm looking forward to see what's changed. My number one is uh, is BBC. I think it's one of the strongest pop moments on the record. It's got a very good opening. Bum, 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 bum. Sure. I, I keep it pretty close to track order for this little trio of, in my opinion, big bangers with the racist and drop bombs. Uh coming as track two and three. Then I kind of pull back. Here's where I slot The Shining in. Like, let's go back to the beginning. And then to kind of carry that energy forward, then I do For Life Is Here. As if we've kind of like, we've taken a step back. We're now, let's meet the boys here and For Life Is Here. Phil Life was there, but now For Life Is Here. Definitely. And then and then you can't, you can't omit it just because of how iconic of a moment it is for the boys. Herbaholics comes after that. But then I put... Class A material right after it. So it's kind of like point-counterpoint. Oh, so you got the two sides of the same coin right next to each exactly. other. Exactly. Like exactly. They're like, hey, have some fun. 
but not too much. But then after we're done with our kind of homework there with Class A material, I bring it straight to MTV TRL with uh, Bring It To Ya. Love it. And then as the kind of proper closer of the record, I go out with Millennium Metaphors. It's kind of like the, the real ending to it. But then we fade out. We got about, you know, four minutes of silence. And then I come back in. I fade in slow fade for, for ABC. I like it. I like it. I think that flows definitely better than what is out there. It's an achievement that the boys wrote so many songs. And I can see why they wanted to put it all out, too, because I think, like I was saying at the beginning of our review, these sessions were like a refuge for them. Definitely. And I could see them loving this material. Okay, so now I want to hear the Ikrath resequence. I want to hear this this version. First of all, how many tracks do we got? It's 12 songs. It's 48 minutes. I think that's pretty solid. Nice. And it flows like an actual album, too, which is important. Okay. So I started um, with intro. I kept that. Okay. And that goes into, segues really well into Rhyme of the Times, which I think is the obvious like first song here, you know? I could definitely see the way that, yeah, intro would hook nicely into it. Uh, next, I keep things pretty straight with Fi Life, Fi Life, BBC, The Racists, and Drop Bombs to round out side one. Okay. Open up side two on uh, Herbaholics. Go into Fat Cats. Nice. Fi Life is here. I know you think it's a little late in the game, but I, I think it's a good song to have kind of late in the set just to perk everybody back up. For sure. I feel that. Then um, closing trio of Bring It To Ya, Crazy Ballheads. And ABC Love it. as the closer with Love that it. little keep practicing voice as the last thing you hear on the record. Pretty good. I like that we both kind of locked into that as, as... Yeah. That's Millennium Metaphors, though. We finally talked about it. And we finally talked to Five Life Cypher themselves. Wow. Wow. What a what a moment. We talked about doing that on the very first episode of this podcast on and it happened. way back in April-ish 2017. The place of Five Life Cypher in the fan community going into this episode was maybe maybe not a meme, but maybe Five Life Cypher has been an eye roll, an asterisk in the gorilla story. A bit of story. a stepchild of the gorilla's family. And I'd like to think that if you if you listen to these these guys tell the story their way, you're gonna you're gonna have a very different way of thinking about their place in this family. I definitely feel like I've grown closer to some extended family members that like I've never really gotten to know, and it, it feels good. It's nice to have them. You know, it's nice to have the Five Life Cipher story colored in now. And you know what? When you go back and listen to the sounder after this interview, you're like, fuck, man, they were doing so, there's so many hooks on on the sounder, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty great stuff, you guys. Five Life Cipher, one of the one of the hidden treasures in the Gorillas story. You know, reintegrate Five Life Cipher into your Gorillas story. Yeah. And, and boys, feel free to come back on the show whenever you want to drop some more material. And Oh, any old time. If you want to, if you want to tell everybody how that bike story shook out, we'd all love to know. <laughs> oh my. My God, yeah. I can't wait to review that Sean Ryder Happy Mondays, Bills, Thrills, and Belly Aches with you, buddy. I'm, I'm looking forward no, to it. No, that's going to be very fun, yeah. And all leading up to the end of Gorillas. The end of Gorillas. With the Demon Days live extravaganza. What a time. What a time to, to be in this band. You know, it's an apocalyptic group, and it feels a little bit like a comet is hurling towards the earth right now. Yeah, now it seems like we're finally going to get impact. All right, well, watch your podcast feeds to feel the impact as, as a, an oft-maligned... <laughs> Gorilla's B-side once cautioned us to do. And as another often maligned Gorilla's B-side once told us, <laughs> don't get lost in heaven, I've been Trevor Ickrath. I've been Dylan Flynn's demo. Yeah.